Hi, I'm James. I'm Steven. I'm Terrence, and we are The, the Higher Life, Life, a show where we talk about careers in tech, professional development, entrepreneurship, and life outside 9-5. Welcome back to The Higher Life Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about careers and how to choose them. We're going to be talking about quiet quitting, as well as our thoughts on the last topic. Layoffs. layoffs layoffs there we go it's a big one i'm trying to shake off melatonin right now so bear with me but to get things kicked off how to choose a career james why don't you start so this is an interesting um topic and it's something that uh, i'm even thinking about it right now about you know choosing a career and which path to take but you know a lot of people debate about whether or not you should be tying your passions with your career or not. Um, and there's a, you know, a lot of controversy about that, but I think for the most part, you should do something that you'd like and that you're good at. And that's how I typically determine how to choose my own career. Because sometimes your passions just don't pay the bills, unfortunately. Um, so. I like to choose something that I like and then that I'm good at and then that people will pay me for because yeah, career, you know, is is that combination of things. Um, And yeah, if you don't like it, most of the time, if you don't like something, you're not going to be good at it. Um, And I think that you you need some level of interest in whatever you're going to do in life uh, in order to get really good at something. So that's this interesting perspective but what are your thoughts on you know my parents used to tell me you know just do do this like for example go into business Mm -hmm. you'll get good at it eventually you'll like it so what are your thoughts on that approach it's like do something (laughs) do that thing until you like it i think that's a good point in regards to like experimentation right um i think Back in the day, everybody used to just do one job and for their entire life, right? People would stay at their careers for like 15, 20, 25 years or whatever the case may be. But, you know, when we're looking at millennials, which is our generation, and Gen Z, they actually, um, on average, change jobs 12 times in their life. So it's actually increased dramatically, kind of flipped it on its side where people are trying out different jobs, seeing, like I said, what they like and what they don't like, and then experimenting and figuring out what they're good at, what they're not good at, and then and then kind of going down that route. How did you how did you get started in your career, James? Like what what inspired you to go down this career? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, just give a bit of background. I got my bachelor's of uh, business administration at Woodford Lawyer and I actually specialized in human resources. And it was from a, a course um, in university, it was called Recruitment and Selection. And I was very fascinated about the whole entire topic. And on top of that, I did really, really well in the class because I was so interested in it. You know, I got straight A's uh, in, in, you know, Recruitment Selection 1 and 2. Um, and I felt that I would be good at it. So that's why I went out and, and tried it. Any any pressure or inspiration from your, your parents to go down? My parents wanted me to be an accountant, and so, which is like a typical kind of Asian, Asian stereotype. Yeah, yeah. I even got into University of Waterloo for the accounting program, and I declined it uh, because I felt for 
accounting, it's such a specific route and it's very narrow where like you, it's harder to pivot. If you go and get an accounting degree and you get an accounting certification, you're kind of stuck in that field where if you have a business degree, like a general business degree with like no specialization, you have a little bit more options. Even with me specializing in HR, HR is a big field, right? It doesn't only include recruitment, it has multiple different options in it, which is something that I would recommend, like going into something that's can give you a broad array of options. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like for me, you know, I specialized in finance with a minor in economics, also from Laurier, and I ended up in a career that was completely outside of that. Um, you know, it, but to take it back, I think for me, I always had like a broad perspective. I didn't know what I wanted to do coming out of business school. And I walked into my job search with that mindset, even though I specialized in this one area, it wasn't as specific as accounting. I could be wrong, but I feel like with accounting, it's, I know there's different, different specializations within accounting alone. It's a very broad, like umbrella but it's all accounts it's, it's yeah, pretty specific. You're it's, it's accountant pretty specific. Or, yeah, it's pretty you know yeah <laughs> yeah so you're an accountant at the end of the day <laughs> yeah you go you go get your cpa or whatever and then you go into the accounting um we're financed there's there's a couple options there but i do agree with the keep it broad approach um i think it leaves doors for things that you don't even know that you might be good That's in true. and then you know, I, I'm kind of conflicted to go back to my original question about the, you know, do something and then eventually you'll figure out if you like it or not, like my parents approach, because I think there's something to be said about knowing what your passion is early and then following through with that and then becoming really good at it. So I've been watching a lot of documentaries lately, one of them being Kobe Bryant and okay. his passion for basketball and knowing that he was going to be a professional at an early age and deciding to skip the NCAA and going straight into the professional league out of high school because he knew that if he wanted to be the best in his field which is his passion he needed to learn from professionals in his field yeah and then he became the best at what he did because he was just i mean talent's one of them but just that focus in that one area right starting early and having that time from from you know when you're in your early 20s all the way through the retirement to master your craft i think you can get really far in a career doing that with anything yeah, yeah. You're putting right. your ten thousand hours, right? Versus, yeah, versus bouncing around from one career to the next, trying to figure out what what that thing is. So, I don't know. I, I don't. Long way of saying I don't know if there's a right or wrong way, but it's sure. interesting to to see what what people do to get to where they are. For for him in the documentary, um, were there early signs of like just raw talent there? Yeah, I mean, that's a hot topic. I th I'd say a lot of people would probably say yes, yeah. but this guy had a very solid work ethic. Oh, for sure, for sure. I'm just saying that from your perspective, like, it's easier when you already have some sort of raw talent and an interest and passion in it, but if you're not good at it at all, you have no signs of talent, is like, is that... I I think hard work still? beats talent. I think so. I think hard, hard work, work beats talent. talent all day. I would choose hard work over talent any day because talent I, has I think, to show up. I think a combination of, like, I guess depending on the field, like if you're talking about professional basketball, I think you need like both, right? Yeah, but, but I, versus I've a career. Career-wise, I've seen so many, I mean, we all want, we're, we're yeah. university educated. doesn't make us like a high school graduate with more hard work can mm. definitely outshine or have a more 
I guess, quote-unquote successful career, but then depends on how you define success, if it's just yeah. money or power, position, whatever it is. But I think hard work beats talent every day. I mean, we've, in university, fair. I'm sure we've had roommates that, you know, really talented, really just gifted, but they didn't put the hard work in. And, you know, that's... So, okay, so here's a follow-up question. Do you think that the the passion for whatever it is, like, gets people to do the hard work or is it the other way around is the hard work like gets the passion i think the passion is what drives you to wake up every day and work hard yeah and strive to do more but i think you have to first define what that passion is and i think what ends up happening sometimes and i don't know if this is true or it could just be my case is you find passion elsewhere in your life to justify the hard work that you put in because you you know that the hard work will get you to that outcome, right? So your passion, for example, might be your children if you have, if you have kids. Yeah. And you know that for your kids to have a good life, you need to provide them with, you know, financial means to do whatever, pursue whatever it is that they want to do in life, right? Yeah. Give them options. Yeah. And so for you to do that, well, you have to be able to provide. And how do you provide? Well, you need to do well in your career. And so you work harder for your children. So that becomes your driver, right? Versus some other people, like going back to the basketball example, Kobe Bryant, he's driven and passionate about, well, both as a parent, but also his profession. Mm-hmm. His, his passion was to be the best basketball player ever. I don't know how many accountants want to be the best accountant ever, but yeah, yeah, if yeah. that's your passion, that can be a huge motivator and driver as well. And so, and so, you know what what drives what you know does passion drive hard work or does hard work eventually drive passion i think that you know it, at the end of the day it is that it is passion that drives hard work but what that passion is doesn't it doesn't have to be career specific it can be anything yeah but you yeah. have to find that passion within yourself first because that's going to be your motivator do you think there's a difference between um like the traditional nine to five career and then like non-traditional careers because you know, if we're talking about like basketball or let's say, let's say you want to be an artist, like a painter or any sort of uh, thing that's like in the art or creative type of field, do you think there's a a different level of motivation um, that's required? And then does skill play a bigger part in that versus a corporate job? Well, that's a tough one. That That's a that's a tough one um, right I mean I think I think if it's a passion and you, you need to be pretty good at it if you want to be the best regardless I'm just looking at your tattoo and thinking about like maybe from a tattoo part like yeah. tattoo artist's view like they gotta I mean they put hours into that and you don't know what happened behind the scenes they might have yeah. been drawing since they were two years old it's true right so I'm pretty sure they've most people that are non-corporate well the, a specific specifically the artist field i feel like they they put in more work that you just don't see mm, and it's mm. it's not typical nine to five it's it might be from you know recording in the artist recording booth in like 3 a.m in the morning or drawing on napkins literally but what about what about singing okay here's what i think Is, does hard work overcome someone's ability to sing i think it's a it's an unfair question to compare arts with a corporate nine to five but if we're talking about the hard work versus talent uh, you know topic between the two you can draw parallels because an artist in their respective field 
if you compare them with another artist that might not be as talented but harder working over the span of their career the harder working artist might might not guaranteed might eventually outperform the talented artist that doesn't put the work in yeah i think it for that specific it depends on which field of art that you're talking about because i'm thinking of like <laughs> singing right like american idol like doesn't matter how hard you work you work for 25 years if you don't have a tune <laughs> you know you know what I mean? well, I, I or, or you're a dancer you got two left feet you, you know you could put in ten thousand hours but you might not make it still i think that the de- your definition of make it like i what's, be a, be a what's making it? being a professional living off of it well what's it mean to be a professional making enough Getting paid. M- money off of it right so i think anybody yeah. in the arts if they pursue it long enough can eventually get to a point where they're professional because they they will get paid for their craft just depends on your definition of making it because yeah making it to you if it means a million dollars yeah not everyone's gonna make a million dollars true but if it's just to make a living yeah for example television actors don't make as much as their counterparts in film mm. mm-hmm. television yeah. actors sometimes can make 50 60k a year, but that for them is making it yeah that's true no i just uh i go back to the phrase of uh like a uh, starving artist and it's like <laughs> where that comes from but you, you know what i mean so like you don't say it's, you know starving accountancy <laughs> i mean i, I mean you, you know what i mean though? i think i think that's you know it's funny you say that like i believe in this day and age in this society like the way inflation is going and everything there are starving corporate grinders 100 mm, out there mm. you know like there are i mean accountants aren't the most when you're starting off i don't think it's the highest paying job you know it's a yeah. grind yeah. and uh i think corporate i think i think there's a cloud over corporate that like oh it's brighter you're gonna make money you're dressed right. up in a four-piece suit three-piece suit whatever it is but i've seen people that yeah they dress that way but they don't they don't necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean success or or, or money you know yeah i guess it, it really all is very subjective yes. of wh- how you define success how you define making it how you define you know living off of whatever it means it is so because sometimes people might be just be good with you know, just living in a trailer and I just, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, right? And it's all subjective. So it's interesting though. I got a question for both of you guys. How big of a factor is luck when you're finding a career, you think? I think luck plays a part, big part with anything in life. Um, I like, mean, you happen to interview someone on the right day, you beat, you beat out tons of candidates and you get that dream job. That's luck. Or if you're in a pool where, you know, you just happen to be job searching during hot season, you're up against the toughest candidates on the market, that's unlucky for you, and then you don't end up in that job. So I think luck does play a big part of it, but I've always believed that, you know, luck is when hard work meets opportunity. So, yeah, you know, I think, yes, you need to be lucky, but you also need to be hardworking to get to where you want to go. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think um, luck definitely plays a factor, but I don't think it's as big as people take it out as. I think for the most part, like you mentioned, hard work and being prepared, preparation, and just making sure that you're putting yourself in as many situations in order to get lucky. I think it really, really helps because if you're just sitting in your basement alone and not talking to anybody you're not going to get very far when it comes to luck, right? You can you can claim that you're unlucky, but if you're not going out there 
knocking on doors, networking, you know, uh, improving on yourself, you know, those are the things that, you know, other people would consider lucky when they, you know, meet someone at the swimming pool or, you know, go to an event and happen to find an employer there. So I think that's uh, a lot to do with it as well. 100%. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about, let's talk about layoff, boys. It's a lot. It's a, it's a very yeah. juicy topic in this day and age. Ooh. We've seen since the last couple of podcasts we've done, we've seen so many more. A lot, yeah. a lot of layoffs. I think so. I I uh, I ran some statistics off of layoffs of FYI. If anyone wants to look at it, so right now of 2022, there's been 73,000 layoffs, and then when you're looking at 2021 in Canada alone or in uh, North America, okay, and then in 2021 there was about 10,000. So. And then the year's not over. We're still, <laughs> we're still, there's still like uh, there's still still some months left. So, but we've already seven x the amount of layoffs that happened in 2021, and a lot of it had to do with the recession, uh, inflation, interest rates rising, and a lot of it had to do with um, big companies uh, overestimating how the market was going to react and how how much demand they were going to be getting. Uh, so a lot of overestimation on a lot of executives at big companies, uh, realizing that you know it's not going to be as hot as it was, you know, at the during the middle of the pandemic. Do you guys think there's going to be more layoffs coming? Yes, hundred percent. Like we've never lived through it yet because of our age, but like I think with the high interest rates and the inflation thing, um, you know, we we're always talking about tech, but like. Don't forget, there's a there's sectors outside of tech too that are bigger than tech, and um, I think they haven't even started yet. You know, it's just yeah. the tip of the iceberg. When people get laid off, there's less there's less money in the economy because there's they're not spending as much. They're being more conservative. That's gonna affect everything, and you see it in the the earnings. Yeah, I'm sure you guys have seen yeah. the earnings for like, I guess Bed Bath and Beyond, <laughs> and like other like just brick and mortar stores they're they're, they're oh, yeah. crushed compared to like a year ago or two years ago and then shopify for example like the growth in online spending hasn't been as high yeah. nope. as like yeah. pre-pandemic so well, even walmart's earnings they're showing that consumers are spending less yeah i mean even the banks right like you think about it like yeah they made 1.9 billion but um nonetheless they're not growing as fast and you know like to james's point like if if they budgeted a lot of growth yeah and now the earnings come out and they're not meeting expectations then they got to scale back and like you know figure out how to grow again, right? With with less. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of companies are headed now. Which industries do you think will will see will start to see more layoffs coming from? That's a tough one. I I, I mean I see te- tech obviously. Tech, I think tech, uh, tech, tech, tech obviously, but I, I also think some some aspects of the financial industry. I think financial is going to be hit because, right. especially with the stock market. So any companies that are really tied to the, you know, the stock market and you know investments and things of that nature, could be, depending on what, how much they bet, <laughs> you know, they bet big on tech, and you know those type of companies could be, yeah, going through more layoffs. Yeah, I think financial, maybe even manufacturing. You know, when it gets really bad, like it's going to get bad when manufacturing supply chain feels it, I feel like, because they have yeah. to streamline to like meet reduced demand. But then again, on the flip side, we're still we're still in that COVID era where 
demand is so high for everything still. Yeah, you know, it's but, hard to get furniture still. But you know what happened? <laughs> I just I just I just realized this actually. It was on the news. Ford. Ford laid off a thousand people. And they oh. and, and quote unquote there's a there's a car car chip shortage, but mm. they just announced a thousand people lay off. So like that's pretty that's that, a that's a I the sign. I, it's I think I did see that too. It's in manufacturing? Manufacturing. Yeah, Ford. Yeah. And it was mainly in manufacturing to streamline. Right, because uh, if, if if people are spending less money on like e commerce, right? They're gonna Well cars are the first inventory. Cars I think are the first because well yeah. how it starts with housing. <laughs> I feel like yeah. demand for housing drops. You start off with the most expensive this, I guess assets, assets, goods, yeah. whatever it is, but um, cars is cars is up there. First thing you kind of let go, or you don't you don't want to purchase is a car. That's true. You still need food. You need you know milk, water, all that jazz is still is still in high demand. But yeah. cars is the first thing so like, you can let go. Luxury goods, right? Correct. So probably like jewelry and like watches and stuff. Like those might be going like next after cars, and, and then computers. everyone's just going to be focusing on necessities, and then that's what they're going to be. That's the only time to go to spend money is on the necessities. Yeah, like chip chips too, like AMD and stuff. I think those mm. are going to go down. I'm like, it's it's. I think we're feeling it now. We're going to feel it. Start feeling it more and more in these large. Yeah, I think companies. you're right. Manufacturing, manufacturing, ma- manufacturing is probably going to be hit pretty soon. Yeah, I was listening to another podcast just yesterday, and they're saying that technically we're four months behind the states. Um, yeah, in terms of like our patterns like spending habits they were in lockdown or sorry they were out of lockdown before we were so there's still some pent-up uh demand for spend and travel on our side but um the americans have slowed down so for us i think come four months you're going to start to see even more slowdown than what we're experiencing now and things yeah. are going to get tight because interest yeah. rates are going to probably rise one more time um, and until they get inflation back in check I think I think you guys are right. There's going to be more layoffs coming. Um, companies are going to start scaling back even more so than they already are. Um, so, yeah, folks, maybe yeah. just and, bang down the hatches and prepare for that. Yeah, and then you know, speaking of you know, myself and Stevie just recently got laid off. So, you know, everyone like a lot of people are being impacted by layoffs, and is is very very hard thing to go through. And then there was a bunch of layoffs that happened at the beginning of the pandemic, right? And I think- Yep, we've all experienced yep. it. So yeah. I think what, what we were talking about before we started recording is how it's an interesting time and opportunity to really evaluate what you wanna do next in life. Um, because you only get so many chances to pivot, right? Uh, statistically, going back to what you said, I think you said Gen X, millennials, on average, 12, 12 career switches over the span of your working life. Yep. This could be an opportunity. Not not one that was by choice, but hey, it's still yeah. an opportunity nonetheless. So where you decide to pivot to is very important because that could determine what you end up doing for the next five years. Yeah. And then one one big consideration to think about, you know, for me specifically is that, you know, when layoffs are happening and companies are doing hiring freezes or some companies even rescinding offers, what that really means is that there's not going to be as much need for recruitment. So I'm in, I'm a recruiter and, you know, hire people for jobs, but if there's no one hiring, then there's going to be less demand and less need for recruiters. So I have to consider like, is the recruitment industry right now the place to be, or do I need to make a pivot to a different industry? And if so, which one? That's a really important point. You know, being able to analyze the market and then take a moment to reflect on your skill sets and, 
and think, does my skill set match the market or do I need to upskill myself to meet the hiring demands from employers? Yeah. Well, even like with the layoff and everything and when people drop, like are considering jobs, you know, recently speaking, when you're, when I interview people, a lot of people are very cautious, not just of recruitment, but the company as a whole. They're so cautious right. about picking yep. if they're going to go like the tech route, for example, like not just a position specific, but um sector specific concerns yeah about, yeah hey the layoffs are coming like what are what's your company doing exactly um, what what, they, what like, are you doing yeah. to to deflect on potential layoffs for your organization yeah. specifically i yeah. think back then it was you know six months one year ago great idea is a great idea i'm on board for the idea you don't really think about that but now that's at least from my experience i've seen it there's a huge yeah. uptick in people cons- like taking that in consideration now yeah than there was was in the past. I mean, in the past, I don't think you'd ever have to really worry about quote-unquote job stability. People know that, you know, um, startups is risky, right? They're they're yeah. risky and they're high risk, high reward, whatever, and really fast paced. But I think now it's become a real reality yeah. for a lot of people. Well, even these big companies that are even the doing big these companies, layoffs, yeah. it's like, okay, well, you just did a massive layoff. So what's for you to not do another massive layoff that includes me, <laughs> yeah. right? So there's a lot more caution being put forward to candidates looking for jobs so that's another consideration so it's a it's a pretty scary time uh to be looking for a job right now and even if you have a job it's like is your job safe like you don't know (laughs) you don't know and you know i think for anyone that took a you know extremely high salary increase over the pandemic and switch jobs i like i wouldn't be in a comfortable position if i were them because you know when companies look at kind of the fat you know, where are they going to look? Well, it's the highest paid employees. Okay, they're your salaries through the moon. Yeah. So do we really need you? Let's analyze your position really and, and yeah. see if this is something we need or if this is a nice to have. That's true too. So uh, yeah, like I said, it's like, I don't think anybody is safe right now. No, I don't I don't think anyone is at all. Like I, I think if you, if you, unless you're the owner of the, actually you can, unless you're, the owner or the founder, maybe you have a slight or higher chance of sticking around. But even then, even I think then, your business could can be go shut sideways. Down. Yeah. yeah, you know, we can get thrown out, and it's it's a very scary time. Yeah. In your search, James, like, have you like now that you're, you know, potentially open to new opportunities and stuff? Yep. Like, how has um, like, have you opened up the your your options for like remote versus on site? Like, how has yeah. that changed from? maybe a year from ago. six yeah six months even six months to a year ago so yeah i've been actively looking for positions over the past month uh since i've been laid off and at the very beginning i was going to be taking a little bit of time off just to reset just to absorb everything that's going on to analyze the market analyze some trends and figure out what the best um strategy would be um and i will admit at at, at first i was um I was very picky and I was very narrow in my search where I was only looking for, you know, big tech companies and only looking for manager level positions and this and that. And then, you know, weeks go by, <laughs> you know, more more weeks go by crickets. and then just absolute crickets. And then it's just like, oh, so, you know, like six months ago, there would be all the big companies, all the big fan companies would be knocking on my door, asking me to, to join the organization. And it's not like that anymore. It's a, it's, it was a complete, you know, 360 of what it was before. So I had to really readjust and had to be more open to, 
you know, individual contributor roles, uh, roles that are in the office, uh, companies that, uh, you know, I might not have a super passion for it, but, uh, you know, might be open to more. So there's a lot of um, uh, more leniency and more openness of what type of roles that I would be interviewing for and applying for because there's not as many openings as there was before. And, um, you know, you can only, you know, I, I got a severance for my layoff, but there's there's only, only so much time that you can take. You know, the clock is ticking, you know, you got bills to pay still. And especially if you're living in a very expensive area, you know, you you have to make sure that you get that, you know, employment so that you can have that level of security. Because uh, I would say, like, it's not a super relaxing time being laid off and unemployed with no job prospects. Um, it can be a big toll on you emotionally depending on like especially if you're a very anxious person and you worry about the future a lot yeah it's uh it can uh give you some late nights just uh <laughs> staying awake i can imagine it's it, it you know what hearing that it's definitely it's tough on both sides you know i can imagine for employers as well as for candidates um you know even though we are in this phase right now of the pandemic where we're going through these layoffs to some degree, it's still a candidate-driven market. There's still labor shortage in certain industries. Certain industries. Candidates are still being picky. And employers, they want to make an investment in top talent, not just any talent, right? Yeah. So it's hard to come across good candidates, good employees, right, that are willing to make a jump during this time. And the ones that are on the market, you got to really sift through to find the employee that you got to There's a lot more to go through. Yeah, there's a lot, right? more to, a lot more candidates to go through, a lot more to... A lot more to evaluate as well. There, Lots to evaluate. Yeah. And it, sorry, it, just want to finish on my point. From the employer's perspective, you got to think, even though companies have gone through a massive layoff, that's an upfront cost. Sure, you can measure that by the dollar figures. You know, this salary's gone, now we save 140K. That salary's gone, now we save 70. Yeah. But the cost that you don't see is the ramp up time to replace that talent. Yeah. Right, the productivity. How yeah. does that streamline to the rest of the business in terms of the business output? Yeah. Right. Some of those things are intangibles that you just can't really put a dollar figure value to immediately, but yeah. it starts to show its head, you know, six it's months, true. 12 yeah. months down the line. So yeah. employers, they're, they're as conflicted right now as, as, you know, the candidates. So I, I feel for you and I yeah. feel for the employers too. As funny as that sounds. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I sense that there's been a shift though. Like I know it's still a candidate driven market, but it's less of a candidate driven market than it yeah. was six months old the, the yeah. power is shifting to the employers now like they have like you said more more options more options more candidates so like you just have to as a as a candidate you have to be that much more aware that like your negotiating power might go down a little bit yeah. you're um and you can't be as picky maybe because there, there's a lot surprisingly there's a lot out there and i always tell candidates when i take calls like yeah you might think you're the best but it's all relative sometimes there might be someone else that has done the job 10 times over that might be a bigger asset um but yeah it's it's not easy either way i mean as a candidate and as an employer like you're right i think i think tech firms are going to feel it's maybe three one quarter you know yeah. out yeah that like oh my god the cost of ramping someone up again or something is, is just mm. it's a lot well, and then one one other intangible that employers are going to feel from them doing massive layoffs is you're stretching your current employees 
you know, for you know, they used to do the job of one person. Some of them have to do the job of three people now, and the amount of burnout that's going to cause, and a lot of the, the amount of stress, and like potentially, people. Some people just want to leave just because of the fact that they did layoffs because they, you know, they they would Friends rather go gone. to another company yep, yep, that they yep. feel more secure in. They and, and they're getting tasked to do so much more work than they were hired for. So there's going to be a lot of attrition and a lot of burnout. Yeah. One of the biggest reasons why people stay at a company are those are the relationships, the friendships that, they, that they've built at a company, right? Yeah. Who wants to feel like a stranger at a company? Yeah. yeah. No one yeah. really. So yeah. once all your colleagues are gone, it's true. Do you think you're really going to stick around? Some might, but a lot of people, that's when they start thinking, okay, maybe I, I should move before, yeah. before I'm on the chopping block. Yeah. Yeah. Pe- people are, are what attract and retain you know, yeah. it's a huge yeah. factor. You have like the job itself, obviously, but you have people, which is the culture component, the colleague component. Like these are people you're seeing on a day to day, seeing or working with daily. Yeah. Um, and yeah, hundred percent. I think. Yeah, because I've seen entire departments get laid off, and so somebody has to do the work of that department. <laughs> it doesn't disappear. The business and job doesn't disappear. No. That's one thing I've learned through layoffs. It just gets yeah. consolidated. Yep. Transferred to other other people now you're wearing 10 hats james yeah exactly so that's something to consider as well as an employer when you do these mass layoffs is that it's going to be attrition it's going to be burnout and um, you know something to also look for when you are looking for new jobs like all right am i going to be like how much support am i going to be getting for the from the organization is this going to be a very lean you know company and team and job or am i going to be getting enough support so i can you know, still have that work-life balance. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a good segue here at this point to our last topic, which is quiet quitting. Yes. What is it? I've, you know, I, I think we chatted briefly about it before. I have no idea what, I, I can get the gist, but yeah. can one of you guys explain what is it exactly? Yeah, super high level is just me staying at a job where I'm mentally checked out and I'm doing the bare minimum to get by. Yep. Hey, I've that's quit. Exactly what it is. <laughs> You've mentally quit. You I've mentally, quit. You lights mentally on, quit. lights on, nobody home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, in you know what's um, a little bit tied to this is that um, I've been noticing, especially for remote workers, they are um, you know getting these tools that uh, make it seem like they're online. So like a mouse, like jiggler and stuff like that. So then they're online technically, but they're not really online. And so just to you know, make it seem like they're working and uh, still keep their job, but uh, they're not even there. How many times have you guys messaged somebody on Slack and they're just like MIA for hours? Yeah, All they're the online. All the time. They're online, but they don't respond for three hours. Like, okay, what's uh, what's going what's on going here? On? They must be in a meeting or... Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like the layoffs that have happened recently have anything to do with quiet quitting and why it's... It's so big now, or do you think it's just no? I think, I think it's I think a it's, factor. You think it's a factor? Yeah, explain why now for you. I, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a separate thing. Um, and I think most of the time for quiet quitting, it has to do with more of how different generations view work in general. You know, if we're looking at our generations and previous generations, you know, we were talking about it a little bit earlier about about work effort, right, and and uh, work ethic, um, and then hustle culture. You know, that's that's been a huge thing, right? Everyone's hustling, even if you're 
especially if you're working in like a sales type of environment or a very competitive environment, you have to outwork and outperform and you got to spend longer hours, you got to spend evenings, you got to spend weekends. And these this, these newer generations, these Gen Zs, they um, they don't want that hustle culture. They, they, they're fighting against it. They're rebelling against it. And I think that, that's why I feel that it's separate from, you know, the economy and inflation and all the th- other things that are happening from layoffs. I mean, it's a, I think it's a factor. Like, I think their their mentality is like work, work, work smarter, not harder. Being a being a factor probably, but for me, I think the layoffs are they're a factor. I think because you know you have let's say you know we chatted about it. No one's safe, right? Like, if your top performer gets boot booted on the team, and you're just uh, maybe an intermediate developer, intermediate individual, like performing at a good level, like there's no incentive then to really perform that much more, right? And so you're I think you're mentally inclined to just do kind of the minimum. It, like working harder is not going to keep you safe. Yeah. And with more looming um, layoffs coming up, I think it's just mentally people are just, man, maybe I should start looking for a job, or maybe you know, working so hard isn't going to get me what I wanted, you know, in this role originally. So I think it's a factor, but yeah, it's it's not the end all be all for sure. You know what? I actually heard. Um when I was looking at, uh, uh, was doing some reading on quiet quitting, there are actually some people that um, do the bare minimum of their job, but they also get second, third, and fourth jobs. I've heard of that, yeah. Where they're working at like multiple jobs, but then doing the bare minimum of each job so they can get multiple streams of income. And that's actually, uh, that's, that's happened at the you know big tech companies a lot too. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you feel like that would hurt you in the long run though? Like is that a short-term approach to your yes. career yes well i think it's for the people that are doing it um they don't really care if they get caught and they don't really care you know if they're doing it for the short-term income uh, and if they can get away with it which some people happen especially like i said with when you're working remotely and you know you're working at uh, a big organization where you're just a number and like it's not that small where like you you can't just blend in uh yeah so it happens a lot with big tech companies that work remotely where they can work multiple jobs at once and nobody finds out yeah and i think it's on that like remotely speaking like i remember when we all worked together in one office um like in person yes it's really hard to do that you oh know what you I mean? can't it's hard you can't to, do it it's hard to do that but when you're the second you're remote hybrid it's you know you don't you don't if yeah. you're not there you're not you're there but you're also not there and no one would ever know you know those memes like no no one ever know yeah you know? <laughs> that's right I mean, you're right i think some people need that that oversight or even just motivation <laughs> just seeing other people work makes yeah. you a little bit more focused that's true because that you don't want to be the odd one out yeah, you don't yeah. want to be the odd one out at work, and you want to be like conform to that behavior. But at home, you're, you know, it's just you, the wall, the four walls maybe, and then a couple screens. Yeah, so it's very and, easy. And I think that's what, um, you know, started this whole quiet quitting thing is because they are able to be invisible and are able to work from home, and you know, if they, especially if they don't have to be on video for anything, then like they can really just get away with doing the bare minimum. Do you think that if you had chosen, like, let's say that you're someone that did go through this quiet quitting thing, like you're secretly quiet quitting right now. Right, right. Do you think that you would be quiet quitting if you had chosen the right career path? 
to start off with? No, I don't think so. I, I think um, I think a lot of it also, the one of the other factors that people are doing quiet quitting is that they don't give a fuck about their company. Like they just I don't, don't care. They just don't <laughs> care. Yeah, yeah, they're not engaged. Yeah. Right, they're not engaged. They're not, they're not aligned with the company mission. You know, they're not, they don't like, they just don't like it. They just don't want to, like I said, you mentally just quit, right? So I think that's uh, a big factor. Like you mentioned, like if you were in the right company that you were super engaged with, super aligned with the mission, you wouldn't be quite quitting at all. Yeah. So I think it just, it all circles back. It goes, uh, you know, choosing the right career, super important because you look at quiet quitting and what's led up to it. You know, I think if you had chosen something that you're passionate to begin with and you're aligned with the organization where it's headed, like its mission, its values, you wouldn't quite quit because you're super passionate about what you're doing and you know your why. You know, you wake up, your yes. why for what you're doing. Yes. Simon so, Sinek, let's go. <laughs> super important, right? I bought the book. Nice. So I think choosing your career path, whether it's at the start or having an opportunity to pivot, just understanding yourself intrinsically, what drives you, what motivates you, what knowing your why, and then going from there, super important because it avoids burnout, it avoids quiet quitting, um, and I think it's it's it gives you that passion, that that reason to work hard every single day, even if you know even when things get hard, because um, things will get hard, right? Oh, yeah, like your employer, they might go through massive layoffs, your colleagues might be gone. Those are hard times. Uh, and for you to want to stick around, something has to drive you. You have That's to have true. a strong, solid why. Um, so I think, yeah, I just want to drive that point home. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that uh, that wraps up, I guess, all the topics we want to cover. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's all for this week. Um, hope, Thanks for uh, Hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your thoughts, comments. Um, you know, do you agree, disagree with anything we've said here in terms of how to choose a career, thoughts on quiet quitting, um, and your thoughts on layoff and economy and where things are headed in this crazy world? And uh, lastly, if there's anything that you'd like us to discuss, hot topics, things that are top of mind, either for yourself as an employer or a candidate, um, let us know. Let us know in the comment section. All right. Awesome. Till next time. See you guys next time. See you next time.